three funny, well, at least I think they're funny, Mother's Day stories. Laura Bush tells a story about her husband, George W., and when he was president, they went and visited his family, the former president, George H.W. Bush, as well as Barbara. And uh, George W. woke up early one morning, went downstairs to get a cup of coffee, and he goes over and sits on the sofa, and he puts his feet up on the coffee table. Barbara Bush, his mother, says, George, get your feet off my coffee table. His dad, George Herbert Walker Bush, says, for goodness sake, Barbara, he's the president of the United States. She says, I don't care who he is. It's my table. I don't want his feet on them. And he promptly took his feet down because, as Laura Bush said, even presidents have to listen to their mommies. Number two, a 15-year-old boy goes upstairs. It's about dinner time. Looks at his mother, who's laying in bed, and says, Mom, you don't look so good. Are you not feeling well? She said, No. As a matter of fact, I'm not. He said, Well, Mom, I'm getting pretty big now. I'm growing up, and I don't want you to worry about dinner. I can pick you up and carry you down to the stove. three parents wrote the story about their daughter who had a six-year-old girl and uh she was taking this this, their daughter the the mom was taking a class in how to be a better mommy taking a parenting course at church and one day her six-year-old daughter kayla was throwing a tantrum there at church just throwing a fit losing her little mind I've seen it happen before. I know what it's like. And so she's losing her little mind and throwing this tantrum. And her mother is trying to calm her down. And Kayla then screams out at the top of her lungs, You told me you were taking a class to make you a better mommy. And it isn't working! (laughs) Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Happy Mother's Day, 2010. Kids, they're wonderful. And uh, I love Mother's Day. I I typically don't often preach very many Mother's Day sermons. This is number two in my life. I want to just, as a side note, tell you, last week, last Sunday, was my third anniversary here at the First Christian Church. I'm very excited that we've been here three years. It's gone by super fast, and you guys have made it just absolute joy to be your minister. And so I thank you for allowing me to be a minister for these last three years. Coming up at the end of this month, I'm very excited, May 25th is the 13th anniversary of my ordination. I've been doing this for 13 years now, and you want to talk about time flying. But I've learned a lot of lessons, learned a lot of things. And one of the things that I've learned is that it's very important to do a Mother's Day sermon. And so today, we're going to talk about moms. We're going to talk about Mother's Day. And we're going to look at we're going to look at Proverbs 31, the pas- specifically the passage that Hannah read earlier for our call to worship. We're going to talk about Proverbs 31 today as we talk about the woman who is worth far more than rubies. Now, I talked to a friend of mine uh, who is in the flower industry, and he said that this time of year, the Mother's Day, is like their Super Bowl, that it's even busier, it's even crazier than Valentine's Day. That for the week leading up to Mother's Day and the week after Mother's Day, they're just nonstop going all the time. Because moms are very important. Moms are super important. We, we honor our mothers, and I want to make sure that you do something today to honor your mom. If your mom's gone on, there's a way that you can honor her. We'll talk about that in just a little while. If your mom is still here with us, 
I want you to honor your mom. I want, we want to do something to, to really make our moms feel special. And we're going to talk about today uh, all about how we can honor the moms in our lives. Because they truly are, as Proverbs 31 says, they are worth more than rubies. If you have a Bible, if you can locate one, if you can grab one and turn to Proverbs 31. It's the, the wife of noble character is what it's called there, starting in verse 10. But I want to, I want to start and look at... We're going to look specifically at in verse 28. We're going to start from there. But the verse 10 says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Now that, that phrase there, noble character, the Hebrew word literally means strength and power. Strength and power. I love that. Because women are strong. They are very, very powerful. In, in 1 Peter... Peter says something to the effect that uh, husbands should deal gently with their wives because they are the weaker partner. And I think I've got to believe that Peter was only referring to maybe physical strength because in some cases women can be physically weaker than men. Although I've seen ESPN and fitness contests and I know in a dark alley I'm going down. Um, but when it comes to emotional strength, and spiritual strength, and, and mental strength, women are just as strong, if not stronger than men. I think about the women here in our congregation who do just an amazing job. And I'll talk about that in a little bit when we talk about honoring women in just a moment. Women are, are, are very, 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 very strong, very powerful. And this passage, this, this Hebrew word for noble character means strength and power. The book of Proverbs it's all about what? If you were to sum it up in one word, what would you sum it up with? Wisdom. It's all about wisdom. This passage here in Proverbs 31 typically gets, typically gets preached for Mother's Day a lot of times. And I've talked to some preachers, and we've talked about this passage before. And a lot of moms leave a Mother's Day service feeling bad about themselves. As the preacher preaches about Proverbs 31, and the wife of noble character, they hear the different characteristics and traits about moms and about women and, and wives, and they think, I could never measure up to that. Who is this superwoman that King Lemuel is talking about? And as we read through it, you'll, you'll see what I mean. King Lemuel is a guy that we know nothing about. King Lemuel is the guy who wrote Proverbs 31, and we know nothing about him other than the fact that he wrote Proverbs 31. And this was not his words. These were the words that his mother taught him. It's an oracle. If you look there back at Proverbs 31, verse 1, the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. It's a prophecy. It's a teaching. And his mom was looking out for him, wanting him to find the very best in a wife. So King Lemuel writes out Proverbs 31, and we see that this woman that he is to be looking for is some kind of super mom, a, a super wife, a, a super woman, as you read through the different things. I love what one commentator said. It says, the woman here presented is a wealthy aristocrat who runs a household estate with servants and conducts business affairs, real estate, vineyards, and merchandise, domestic affairs, and charity. Who is this woman? How could anyone possibly measure up, male or female? This woman is super mom. She's super wife. Well, I, I was reading in some commentaries this week about Proverbs 31. 
And if you go back to the fact that Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom, it seems that King Lemuel is not just talking about the ideal traits that his mom wanted him to find in a wife, but if you think about the fact that Proverbs is all about wisdom, it seems that this chapter is kind of like a female personification of wisdom. This is what wisdom can get you. This is what wisdom is like. If wisdom was a person, if wisdom was a woman, this is what it would be like. This is what she would be like. And I I like that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Because when you think about that description that the commentator gave about this wealthy aristocrat who does all these amazing things and these incredible things, I can see why someone would feel bad listening to this kind of a sermon, listening to this passage. How in the world do I measure up? Kind of like in the New Testament where you read about the qualifications for an elder, and an elder must be this, and an elder must do that, and an elder must have this, and an elder must have that. I've had elders look at me going, who in the world can measure up to that? And it's the same way here in the Old Testament with uh, Proverbs 31. Now, there was a guy who obviously thought that his mom measured up. He had an eBay auction. He put an auction on eBay called Best Mom in the World. Not that he was auctioning off his mother, but 42,000 people clicked on this auction. 91 people bid on it. And what it was, was a personal email from his mom to the winner. A personal email that he said would make you feel like the most special person on the planet. This guy loved his mom. And the bidding started at a dollar. 91 people bid on it. Care to guess how much it went for? for an email from his mom. That better be one good email. People are craving that motherly touch that only a, a true mom can give. And I think that's really neat that he felt that way about his mom. Not only to call her the best mother in the world, but to really put it out there. That's, that's really kind of special, really kind of neat. Well, today we're going to look there at Proverbs 31:28. We're going to talk about the way that I believe that women should be honored. And I think starting the last verses here of Proverbs 31, we find three ways that women should be honored. Look there at Proverbs 31:28. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. There are three ways that a woman should be honored. The first way that a woman should be honored is that a mom should be honored by her children blessing her. Her children should bless her. We see there in verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed. I think of this kind of like a toast. You've been to weddings before and the best man and the maid of honor will get up and they'll give a toast to the bride and groom. You've maybe been to a birthday party, somebody turning maybe 75 years old and somebody will get up and toast the person turning 75 or a wedding anniversary. A couple's been married for 50 years and their children get up and they toast them. I look at this verse here about her children arising and calling her blessed as her children standing up and saying, Mom, we toast you today. What kind of wonderful things can we say about you today? I want to toast you today, Mom. There in verse 16, we see the reason for the toast says, uh, I'm sorry, not verse 16. Um, Wait one second. I lost. Uh, Verse 15. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. This is a woman who provides for her family. She provides food for them. She cooks good meals for them. This is a woman who provides. She is a woman who uh, 
provides clothes. In verse 21, it says, When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. That can also mean, the Hebrew words there can also mean they wear two cloaks. She not only provides food for her family, but she also provides clothing for her family. She takes care of her kids. And her kids get up, they rise up, and they call her blessed. That word blessed uh, literally means to call her fortunate, to call her happy. She is happy to do these things for her kids. She is fortunate. She considers it fortunate to have children that she can provide for. And I know that a lot of times we struggle, and a lot of times uh, we, 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 we have issues and, and, and frustrations and struggles in life, and we don't know that we're doing a good job, and we don't know... I, it gets so frustrating to be a parent. We think, my kids, I, I don't know if I, I don't even know what I'm doing. It's hard to be a mom. Of course, me telling you about being a mom, it's like me trying to tell Tiger Woods how to hit a golf ball. It, it, it doesn't work. But I, I know from my experiences with my own mother, I know from experiences with my wife, that it, being a mom is a hard job. And she deserves to have her children rise up and call her blessed. She deserves to have this toast. Yesterday we had a, a memorial service for Yvonne Bisbee's mother-in-law, uh, Ruth Bisbee. And it was so neat because her son got up and he kind of ran the service, her son Jay. And one of the bits of advice he gave, and I talked a little bit about this and I want to fully expound on it now, is to write a letter to your mom. He heard it on the radio, on Moody Radio the importance of writing a letter. We don't write too many letters anymore in our society and in our culture. We send a lot of emails. We may send a card. You know, so that's something somebody else wrote. That's somebody that somebody got paid to write at, at Hallmark. When was the last time you sat down and wrote a letter? If you were to sit down and write a letter to your mom, what would you say to her? If you were to put into words all that she means to you, and it doesn't matter if your mom has gone on to be with Jesus or if your mom is still living, what would you say to your mom? It's good for you. It's good for her. She needs to hear those words of encouragement. She needs to hear those words of love from the teenager sitting down here. Write a letter to your mom. You're like, what do you mean write? You mean type? No, I mean write. Like sit down and pad a paper. There's these things called paper and pens, and you can actually, you know, write on them. No, 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 no. Text messages don't work. Text messages. My mom knows how to text, but a lot of moms are still struggling with texting, and the pe preachers are too. There's no inflection. People don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. And hello, I mean, I'm sarcastic. Can't read that in a text message. In a phone call, yes. Um, but more than just a phone call to your mom, more than a text message, more than an email, more than a card, sit down and write a letter to your mom. Mom, you mean so much to me. Mom, you, you did such a good job raising me. Mom, I've turned out to be the person I am today because of you and your sacrifices that you made and the love that you showed to me. Mom, how can I bless you today? How can I toast you today? How can I lift you up and just honor you and praise you today? Because, Mom, you're so great. Her children will rise and call her blessed. It's the first way that we honor our moms. The first way that we honor a woman of Proverbs 31. The second way that we can honor the Proverbs 31 woman is that her husband praises her. There, the second half of verse 28 says, Her husband also, he praises her. That word praise is the Hebrew word hallel. It's where we get our word hallelujah. When was the last time you said to your wife, Hallelujah! Right? Hallelujah, you're my wife. Oh, that don't happen enough, does it, ladies? <laughs> oh, that, that don't happen anywhere near enough. 
getting ready for bed, put on your beauty mask or something like that, and your face is all green, and hallelujah! I don't know. But look here in verse 12. This is what she does for her husband. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She brings him good. She, she does good things for him. She loves him. And she does good things for him. Verse, uh, verse 20. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. There you look there in uh, verse 23. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. You read about the different things she does, about opening her arms to the poor and giving to the needy. You know what she does? When he goes to the city gate and he sits there with the elders because that's where the people would gather, that's where the elders of the city would gather. They'd gather at the gate in order to make decisions and for the community. And when he shows up there, he goes walking up to that gate and those fellow, his fellow elders look at him and they say, he's got a good wife. She makes him look good. And guys, we don't give our wives enough credit because you know what? They do. They make us look good. They cover over our faults. We mess up in so many different ways. And women are so good at, wives are so good at multitasking and organizing. And, and when all of our plans get shot and, and, and everything we do, we're trying to throw all these, juggle all these balls in the air and we have no idea what we're doing. She does. My wife makes me look so good. She keeps me on task. She gets, she gets me to where I need to be. She keeps all these things in, on a calendar in her cell phone. And when I don't know where I'm supposed to be, she does. She makes me look good. And I bless her for that. I praise her for that. I say hallelujah for that. Because my wife is amazing. And guys, that's what they need to hear. Our wives need to hear that we think they're amazing. Our wives need to hear that we love them and that we care for them. And our wives need to be cared for and they need to be loved on like Christ loved the church. That's what the, the New Testament says, what Paul wrote about the way that men are supposed to love their, men are supposed to love their wives is how Christ loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? Enough to die for her. Jesus died for the church. He laid down his life for the church. He sacrificed himself for the church. He gave up everything for the church. He died for the church. Are you willing to die for your wife? Better yet, are you willing to live for your wife? Honey, I'd take a bullet for you. Sometimes she'd like to give it. But more than taking a bullet for her, are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to put aside your selfish desires and your self-centeredness and say, Honey, I will live for you. I will put you above myself. I will put your needs above my own. I will put your wants above my own. I'm not gonna, there's not going to be any strings attached. Because we'll do that, won't we, guys? We'll do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go, go, go. You want to go shopping? Go, go ahead. JC Penny, Macy's, whatever, go, yeah, go, go buy some new clothes. That'll, that'll be fine. And all the while we're thinking, all right, new fishing gear. I have a bargaining chip. Ooh, I've been looking at that GPS system. I need one of them. I let her go shopping, and then I can just, you know, throw it up in her face later. Oh, you bought a new dress. Ah, it costs this much. Ah, I deserve this GPS. It's not the way to be. No strings attached. The love that we have for our wives is that self-sacrificial, selfless kind of love that Jesus had for the church. Why does Paul say that? Why does he have to give us this reminder? Why does he have to say it? Because it goes against our nature. Men are typically, stereotypically self-centered. We are so oblivious 
to the needs and the and the desires of our wives that we just we're just we, we're clueless. And then all of a sudden one day we walk in and and my wife is crying. Is like, what's wrong? Well, the, what's wrong is that I'm a great big ogre and I have no clue why she's upset. It's because I'm so absorbed in myself. And Paul says I need to let go of that. I need to die to myself. I need to crucify myself as Christ was crucified so that I can love my wife the way she deserves. So that I can say, hallelujah, you're my wife. Finally, we see that her children will arise and call her, call her blessed. They will bless her. They will call her fortunate and happy. They will toast their mom. We see that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. They are to praise their wives. Praise your wives. Finally, we have children who bless their moms, husbands who praise their wives, and then we have a God who rewards the godly woman, a God who rewards the woman of noble character. You see, Proverbs 31 is not just for moms. Proverbs 31 is not just for wives. Proverbs 31 is for all women. The woman of noble character, the strong, powerful woman that God delights in rewarding. So whether you're a teenager girl, a teenage girl sitting up here up front, whether you're one of my, my, my sweet, dear, loving elderberry women, not that all the elderberries are women, but there are women who are in the elderberries, and I love you all, and everyone in between, the strong, powerful women who make up this church family will be rewarded by God. Hebrews 11.6 says that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. The woman of noble character, the woman who truly seeks after God, the woman who truly chases after God is the one that God will reward. And I truly believe that we have some awesome women in this church who do so many things. They serve as coordinators. They serve as deacons. They serve as teachers. They prepare meals for funerals. And they serve families at funerals. And that's awesome. That is an amazing ministry. They teach Bible studies. They support one another. They care for one another. Countless times I have seen a woman going in for surgery and she'll be gathered around by 25, 35 women up front laying their hands on her and praying for her that she'll come through surgery. They did it for my wife when she had back surgery more than once. The women of our church are awesome. They seek after God. They chase after God. They are women of noble character. And I believe, I honestly believe that God will reward you because you seek after him and because you're strong and powerful and you are beautiful and you are amazing and you are awesome and you are loved. May God truly reward you. May God truly reward you for the sacrifices you have made, for the ways that you have raised your children, for the ways that you have loved your husbands, for the ways that you have loved your mothers, for the ways that you have loved this church, for the ways that you have loved him. May God truly and honestly, my prayer is that he will reward you. He will reward you. And I know that he will, because that's what the Bible says, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Tony Campolo is a Christian author and, and preacher. He's one of my favorites. People will go up to his wife and say, they know him, but they'll go up to his wife and say, and what do you do, dear? 
I have to read this because this is great and I couldn't memorize it. But she says, I am socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. And what do you do? (laughs) She's raising kids. (laughs) Today we come together to honor not just moms, not just wives, but we honor all women here at First Christian Church. And I am so glad that the women who are a part of our church family are a part of our church family. And that's what we're striving to be. And so if you are a woman who is a part of our church family, would you please stand for a round of applause? Because I think you deserve it. You are amazing. You are awesome, and we love you. And I thank God for you all. Whether you are a woman who God will reward, a wife who should be honored by her husband, or a mom who should be toasted by her children, today we honor you. And we thank God and we praise God for you. Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of motherhood. We thank you for the gift of of wives. We thank you for the gift of women. You said that it was not good for for man to be alone. It was not good for Adam to be alone. And so you created the perfect partner. Not someone to walk behind, but someone to walk beside. Someone who is so perfect for Adam. You called it very good. When you brought them together, you called it very good. We thank you for that. I thank you and I praise you for the strong women of our congregation, for the women of noble character, those who seek after you. We thank you and we praise you for them. For the moms who give up so much, for the wives who love their husbands and make us look so good, uh, for the single moms who struggle and to make it and, and work so hard, for all those who are here today, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask that, God, you would give them strength and that they would be honored, not just on the second Sunday of May, Lord, we would take time to honor the women in our lives on a regular basis. We glorify you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.